Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you in Oilers Now at a little home office. In the understated Stoffer abode in the city south side. Brendan Escott at the 630 Chad Studios. And uh, this is Oilers Now, brought to you daily by our title sponsor, Digitex. And every Tuesday for an hour, we hook up with Mark Spector for Horse Racing Alberta, the 7,000 men and women that work in Alberta's horse racing and breeding industries. We head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline. We welcome back to the show, Mark Spector. Hello, Spec. How are you? No, doing pretty fair, Bobby. Just getting around the hockey world a little bit this morning. Did a hit with Gene uh, Principe. A nice chat with a uh, head of the Finnish team uh, at the World Juniors, and uh, now it's time to talk some orders here, huh? Now, how close were you to the Finnish head coach when you had a nice chat with him, or was it a phone conversation? Oh, it was a phone conversation. He's in the bubble. Um, it was actually uh, Kimo Wickerin and the GM of the Finnish team. Um, He's in the bubble, and I'm not. So I met him at the World Juniors, uh, what, two years ago in Vancouver. And uh, we did enjoy a post-game beverage there together, but uh, we'll not do so here because no. only one of us is in the bubble, Bobby. <laughs> it's, a di- it's a different world, that's for sure. Hey, Mark, just before we get to the hockey, did you, and, you know, you're a sports fan. I, I don't know if you're, you and me might be a little bit uh, different degree of junkie in terms of our passion for it, but did you get a chance to watch any of the Monday Nighter last night? Yeah, you know what, I watched as much as I could. I was spending a night with my wife doing some stuff, so I, I knew I was missing a good game, and I flipped over as much as I could, but no, Bob, I will say that uh, I was sad when I watched the highlights at night and saw what I missed in the fourth quarter. Uh, I did not watch it all. I've seen the highlights about three times this morning. Uh, what a ball game. And nice to see Cleveland with a little bit of juice. When's the last time we, we watched the Cleveland Browns play on Monday night and said, wow, what a fun team they were to watch. Yeah, no, that's uh, it's been, geez, 25 years since they've been any good. So actually, <laughs> Marty Schottenheimer, man. Uh, Bill Belichick, actually, it was the last time they had the, the good start to the season. Uh, he was coach of the team. Uh, yeah, uh, and going back to, uh, you know, we should have some fun at Jack's expense. Jack Michaels, my play-by-play partner, because mm-hmm. for some reason, a guy from Western Pennsylvania ends up a fan of the Cleveland Browns instead of the Pittsburgh Steelers, but that's a whole other story, because as we all know, Jack loves the Penguins. Uh, but, this, you know, People forget the Brown, the Cleveland Browns for a couple of years there, and they played Denver. There's a huge Edmonton fan base for the Broncos spec. In large part, uh, Pat Bolin, uh, you know, Rand Bolin and Batoni built, helped build uh, the old uh, Coliseum, and Pat Bolin bought the Broncos. Freddie Fleming went to work for the Broncos. And, and in 86 and 87, they had those two awesome playoff games between Denver and Cleveland, and then that's when Schottenheimer had some pretty good teams. So that's a sports town that you you have some empathy for you know what i mean spec oh poor cleveland i mean they've you know they've done everything wrong to be honest i mean the indians are no longer the indians what are they going to call them the cleveland baseball club for now it's working Um, for the washington football club uh, yeah that's it so let's call it the cleveland uh, baseball club uh haven't been good forever 
they did get the World Series loss to the Cubs a few years ago. But but I think the Browns, what the Browns became, Bob, was a was a, a, a multi-sport, you know, across the, the world of sport uh, example of what not to do. Don't fire your GM every second year. Don't run through a new coach all the time. And when the orders were in the throes of that, you know, that was a line we certainly I use and others sure, use. Don't, sure. don't be the Cleveland Browns. Whatever you do, don't be Cleveland. That would hurt if you were a Browns fan. <laughs> well, uh, I think continuity is an important thing, and uh, there's certainly some experience. And I, I sense with the fan base that they're, you know, and the other thing is that they had a fairly positive step forward last year in the regular season and conversely had a disappointing uh, playoff. Uh, some have said embarrassing playoff but that's another story for another day but i do as you mentioned last week i mean you, you're fairly confident about the the long-term prognosis uh, of where edmonton's headed here um at least in the upcoming seat now do you, just on the return to play it's quiet is that a good thing right now that it's as quiet in that regards does that mean they're getting stuff done yeah i would say so i mean we're all waiting for you know to me bob the fact that that the noise we did hear was that they they've basically squared up on the money side of things um you know they're going to honor the memorandum of understanding in terms of of uh you know how much the players are going to make they're not going to prorate salaries uh they're going to they're going to you know stick with the same numbers they agreed on to me now it's just a matter of time we know that the NHL, the NHLPA, the only the prolonged fight they have is over the money and who gets how much of it. So, if if we're correct in knowing that they figure that part out, and now we're just talking about protocols and bubbles and different uh, scenarios, that just takes time to work out. I think they'll be they'll be working it out, and if we're lucky. Uh, it's only Tuesday, Bob. We might get the, I would hope we'd get something by Thursday or Friday, a little bit more concrete. You know, Mark, the funny thing is you talk about the fight between NHL and NHLPA. Uh, you can sort of extend that metaphor for politics between maybe in this province, between the NDP and the UCP, but the reality of the situation, the enemy is the virus. And that's it. The enemy to stop in the NHL from playing is mm-hmm. the virus, you know, and obviously we're starting to see some progressive steps in regards to vaccine, but the virus is the enemy, and just as the same in any sort of political discussion, the virus remains the enemy, and if we can uh, understand things from that perspective, maybe we can uh, start to make some further headway. All right, let's uh, let's talk a bit about the Evans Oilers. I know that one of the things that you looked into, you did some research on, I'm going to have to read this piece, uh, was about the ability of organizations to have a couple veteran goalies, maybe not to have a younger guy and an older guy. The Oilers have two goaltenders that'll be 32 plus this year. What did yeah. you find, Mark Spector? Well, it's it's uh, what I found is is I think what we know, Bob, that uh, athletes age uh, and they don't get better as they get older. You know, when I when I look at the Oilers goaltending, I think the misunderstanding or the misnomer is that you know Miko Koskinen he kills them. I don't think that's true at all. You know, if Miko Koskinen could give you 9.17 and play 62 games, that'd be great. The issue is that Miko Koskinen only plays half the games, right? And then the other guy turns 39. Mike Smith will be turning 39 this year. And to me, that is where the big hole is uh, in the Edmonton Oilers you know, goaltending situation. I, If Mike Smith gives you his best game every night, he's a good goalie. He's an above-average goalie. But as guys get older, they don't give you their best game every night. There is a lot of inconsistency from Smith last year. 
And you know, Koskinen's numbers stacked up pretty good among guys that played like 25 or 30 games in the season. He was right up there. His 917 was a good save percentage. But Mike Smith at 905 was a was way deep down the list. So I'm a little concerned that you got a guy that's 32 and a guy that's 38 going into the season, Bob. Uh, I don't see how they're going to be better than they were last year, and I think the orders need improvement in that area. Does having a third goaltender in Anton Forsberg, because we might be in a situation, Mark, we don't know the size, assuming we play, we do not know the size of what that's going to look like. Uh, you know, is it a 23-man active roster? Is it a five-man uh, reserve list or taxi squad? They didn't have Anton Forsberg last year. Could he be a guy that can push? I mean, that's a huge unknown, but he is a different dimension. I think you'd have to agree than what the Oilers had last year, uh, you know, at the start of the season. Yeah, I guess so. Um, you know what? I'm I'm not telling you. Uh, what would I say, Bob? I'm going. I, I want to see something. I know. I want to see something. I can hang my hat up. Don't give me a bunch of hope and, and a, sure. a maybe and a. Anton Forsberg, 28 years old. He's played 48 games in the league. He's got a 901 save percentage in the NHL. Yeah. Okay. He's an AHL goalie. He's always been an AHL goalie. Don't tell me he's going to put on an Oilers uniform and suddenly, fabulously change into an NHL goalie. You know, he's an AHL goalie. That's what he is. So, does he make you better? In the AHL, he does. Doesn't make you any better than the NHL ball. All right, so here's the thing. Uh, is Edmonton better off having two guys that have been starters than a club that's got a starter but a guy who's never been more than a 15 to 20 game a year backup? Yeah, I mean, sure. Uh, one thing about Mike Smith that you don't worry about is if he has to play three, four, five games in a row, that's not going to face him. He's done that many, 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 many times. So that's a positive. For sure, it's positive. Uh, but to me, goaltending is all about consistency. I think that's we'd agree on that. The, the goaltender can't just give you a good week. A goaltender's got to give you a, a good month and a good half season and then a good whole season. And that's where Smith faltered last year. He not quite he stayed healthy, uh, but he was not consistent. You know, over the course of the season. And a 905 is a 905, Bob. You know, you know this. 905 is not good enough in the NHL. Uh, not if you're playing half the games for a team. It's not good enough. What sort of trade options do you think might be there for Edmonton and goal? Uh, that's an excellent question. You know, let's say this. You know, Make no mistake here. Ken Holland set into the free agency season looking to improve his goaltending. He was all in on Jacob Markstrom for a reason, Right. He was in on Jacob Markstrom because he pinpointed his goaltending and said, it's not good enough. We've got to get better. I respect the fact he didn't get Markstrom. His plan B included getting tourists and getting Barry in. And he did a nice work, I thought. The plan B was nice work, Bob. But in the end, the fact remains, the GM wanted to improve his goaltending, and he didn't. And now you're talking about a trade market that... Oh boy, you know, trade market. Who's in your trade market? The good, the guys that are available are guys like uh, Flurry in Vegas, you know, that makes, let's see, up at about seven and a half million, I think. Uh, you have no room for that contract. And good, cheap goalies, they don't come easy, Bob. So the trade market, hmm, you know, I'm not sure at this point. I think you're going to have better luck in the free agent market a year from now or whenever the free, next free agent deadline would be. 
Yeah, I you know, I, look, any any question of the Oilers goaltending situation right now to me is fair game. I mean, at, you, at the start of last season, start of the 2019-20 season, which seems like 30 years ago, not 15 months ago, <laughs> you, you said at that time that the biggest question mark involving the Edmonton Oilers was goaltending. And in the regular season other than the month of December, it didn't turn out to be the biggest question for the Edmonton Oilers. So, um, actually, it was uh, for a large portion of the first half of the year it was a lack of depth up front now we know they've added the the, the depth up front we're going to get to that coming up in our next segment on orders now Stoffer inspector for the horses and horse racing alberta hi i'm james neal from the edmonton oilers and you're listening to oilers now with bob Stoffer on 630 chet all right uh, welcome back everybody bob Stoffer. brandon escott with you on oilers now do you want to tell you that Roos Chris Steakhouse is the greatest steak you've ever had. It's Edmonton-owned and operated. Uh, the 99th Roos Chris is closed for the next four weeks to comply with provincial health guidelines. But Brendan and his staff at Roos Chris are wishing you a safe and happy holiday season, and they look forward to seeing you again in the new year. As we re-engage Mr. Specter, Mark Specter for the horses and horse racing Alberta, the 7,000 men and women that work in Alberta's horse racing uh, and breeding industry. So, Mark, it's... It's fair comment. Like, I, I totally get the people out there saying, well, you guys didn't, you know, the Oilers didn't improve in goal. The general manager targeted that as, as an area, and Calgary got the guy at six years at $6 million. And, uh, we, you know, we believe that the offer for Edmonton was seven years at five. I will personally tell you right now, I totally respect Jacob Markstrom. I respect what he did in the last year and a half for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, and, uh, you know, all that said, I'm glad the Edmonton Oilers did not get Jacob Markstrom on a seven-year deal at five years. Uh, if you're going to offer that kind of term, it's got to be McDavid, Dreisaitl-esque. We've seen in this market some uh, some of those lengthier terms, especially for players in their late 20s. You know what I mean? So I'm not, uh, you know, but I do think it's totally fair comment to say, what is Edmonton going to get in goal? That's a fair perspective to have. So if that... If that's a fair perspective, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to. And I said a year ago, I, I was as equally concerned about the Oilers' lack of depth up front. Are you at a better place with what Edmonton's bringing to the table this year when we return to play than a year ago? Yeah, they're they're a better team. Uh, if we're going to talk about a team that can that can hopefully keep the chances down, right? They have more depth. Uh, you've chronicled how the bottom two lines uh, got killed last year, um, you know, by and large. And I think Kyle Turris ought to help that. And you know, I would say this too. I, I see that I think, talked last week, you know, I talked to Darnell Nurse, and he made it pretty clear there's a, he has a, quite a focus on the goals against on this team. And I think that's going to be the theme when this team meets and gets going here in January. You know, two years ago, this team averaged 3.3 goals against per game. I mean, that's just outrageously high, 3.3. Uh, Dave Tippett, uh, first year in the, as a head coach, they knocked it down to 3.03. So he took a third of a goal a game off the Oilers. Uh, three goals a game, Bob, averaging, allowing three goals a game in a 3-2 league, still obviously too many. You're going to lose more than you win. So they need to, that needs to be a focus. And let's say this, if you're telling me they've shored up their their, uh, their forward depth, if they're going to win some more face-off, if Kyle Turris is going to help this thing a little bit, if they're going to have a stronger, better fourth line, 
Um, if they're going to keep the puck out of their zone with puck movers like Bear and, and Barry, uh, I'm going to say to you, maybe the goalies won't be tested as much. Maybe the shots will go down. Maybe the quality of chance goes down. That's the best way they can help this goaltending tandem is the quality of chance just can't be as as five bell as it was certainly in that Chicago series. Chicago didn't get a ton of chances, but when they got one, uh, it was an excellent scoring chance. So Ian Herbers, uh, who played for the Oilers and later coached for the Oilers, uh, he returns to the University of Alberta in 2012. Now, they have pretty decent players. Uh, that team probably on paper wasn't as good as what Ian... Uh, by the way, he kept all of his guys this year. And uh, and I should mention, uh, Speck, they, they got tested for COVID to, to play uh, Team Canada, and they didn't have one positive case uh, with their team because their guys respect their program and they're focused. Um, and it can, it can hit anybody, but they, they took the necessary precautions. So he comes in and coached their team. Okay, back in 2012. And the first two or three days, once they get the, the team size down to a manageable group, they're spending all their time on short, long cycles in the offensive zone. And a couple of guys say to him, hey, coach, you know, are, are, are we going to work on uh, D-zone coverage at any point? And he, and he looks at them and says, you see, when you master playing the game in their end, and when you manage the puck in the opposition zone, you don't have to worry about your, when you're in their end, you don't have to play in your end as much. And my thing is watching the Oilers, and I was concerned, Mark, as you know, you're in, I think you're on, yeah, we went out for dinner in Detroit together. Uh, I was concerned when the Oilers were in Detroit watching the morning skate for Detroit back in October over a year ago that Edmonton was too slow, weren't competitive enough in forward spots 7 through 12 and I, I think there's been that's the one area where they can defray this is they can spend more time in the oppositions. Plus at that time McDavid and Dreisaitl were playing together. Now they're going to center their own uh, two lines. Uh, there's lots of options and we're going to talk about a couple of the options right now. Who would you play Ryan Nugent Hopkins with? I'd play him with uh, McDavid. If, if I'm going to give uh, if I'm going to give Yamamoto to Dreisaitl uh, I'm going to give Ryan Nugent Hopkins to McDavid. That, that to me, splits your, you know, let's talk about their top six forwards, right? Who's their top six forwards? Bob, obviously, McDavid and Dreisaitl. Uh, legitimate top six forward is Ryan Nugent Hopkins. The next legitimate top six forward is Yamamoto. I don't take both of my legit top six wingers and put them with one centerman. I split, uh, I split them on different lines. Now you say take a Cassian uh, who works in the top six, you know, he works, in, I'm not saying he's a top six guy, but he works in the top six. And now I throw on the left wing with dry settle. Who is it going to be? Is it going to be Ennis? Is it going to be Neil? Uh, then you have two lines. Cahoon, Dominic Cahoon. Yeah, it could be Cahoon. So my point is, you, you, if, the quality, if the topic here is depth, I want depth among my top two lines as well. I don't want to stack one and leave McDavid with a couple guys who we may argue whether or not they're top six players. I don't think, I don't think that's how I handle it when I got McDavid on my team. All right, I'm going to approach it from a different perspective. Agree or disagree with the following statement. Whoever Ryan Nugent Hopkins plays with between McDavid or Dreisaitl, that's the Oilers' number one line. Uh, no, McDavid's your number one line. He's Connor McDavid. Whoever McDavid. I mean, I guess if you saddled McDavid with Cahoon and Cassian, maybe we'd argue that he's not your number one line. But I, I, Yeah, I completely, <laughs> Mark, I'm telling you right now, whoever Nugent Hopkins is with, that's your number one line. Somebody yeah, said some somebody that's reached fair. Mark, somebody reached out to me before the Oilers played the Hawks in the play in series and said, Look, I know Ryan played the final three games of the regular season with uh Connor McDavid. 
I'm here to tell you that Chicago won't know what to do if you play Nugent Hopkins with Drysaddle and uh, Yamamoto. They won't know who to assign Taze to. So well, that's and, fair. So I guess the question becomes: when, if we're going to ask who's the first, who gets to be called the first line? My question to you is: when they play LA, no matter who the wingers are. Who's Drew Doughty facing? When they play Montreal, who goes out? Who's Shea Weber taking? Yeah. To me, it's McDavid almost every time, isn't it? It tends to be, and that might be part of the. Like, I don't think it's realistic to think that Yamamoto will produce a twenty. You know, he had twenty six points in twenty seven games and went plus seventeen for when he got recalled starting mm. December the thirty first. I don't think he's going to be a point per game player. Uh, however, I will say we have listeners to the show that have texted us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line saying you guys are the Oilers are crazy if they just they should just keep Nugent Hopkins with Drysaddle and Yamamoto and force the opposition teams to figure it out. Who do you want to shut down? Do you want to shut down 97 or do you want to shut down 29? That that line of thinking is out there. It's even out there from some coaches that I know thinking, you know what? Like that's a, that's a hard one because Drysaddle's really good. And the ability, especially in short cycles, uh, Mark, between Drysaddle, Nugent Hopkins, and Yamamoto, there was a flow on those short cycles, and that's how you score in the playoffs. Um, there, there was a flow there, and so it's a very interesting debate because I think what we're going to see is, like I did the lines last night, we had about 150 respond people back to me on Twitter. I think we're going to, I'm like you, I think we're going to see RNH with McDavid to start. Um, which brings me to uh, point number two. Where do you play James Neal? Well, that's a good question. I think at his age and foot speed, he's not shown an ability to give you, I want to say, 82 games. What are we playing, Bob? We're playing 56 games, <laughs> you know, 48 games. Uh, he comes and goes in his, his ability to stay on the top line. You know, if, if in his prime, James Neal was a top six winger. There's no question. He's played both sides, too. Uh, and a very nice fit for a couple of distributing centermen like uh, McDavid or Dreisaitl. But I think at this age, you can't. I can't look at James Neal as a season-long top six player. I think with, don't they have a group of guys? You named them: Bob Cahoon, um, yes. Neal, Ennis. Don't you see on on probably Dreisaitl's left wing? I see a bit of a revolving door there. I think we'll see a bit of a revolving door on on McDavid's right wing. Cassian, you know, he shows fits of inconsistency. Maybe you need some goals or maybe you need a different look. James Neal jumps up and plays there once in a while. Is that fair? Uh, I'd say more likely on the left side. Like some people would say, well, why wouldn't you play James Neal with McDavid? And uh, uh, when the team was playing its best during the month of January and Neal was playing with a bit of an injury and he wasn't bad, Mark, in the no. playoff. No, in the, he was very good in the playoffs. Him and him and Chason were probably two of the better wingers, um, veteran guys that had been there before. Some people would say just play Neal and Cassian with McDavid and play Nugent Hopkins with Drysaddle and uh, Yamamoto. And then on games when maybe Neal isn't flying, move Cahoon or Ennis up. Some people would say that's the route to go. Well, but uh, boil that theory down. You're taking the de facto best player in the world, certainly the best player in your hockey team, and you're playing him with two guys who probably aren't top six players. Of all those groups of guys you named, totally none of fair. them totally are fair top perspective. six players all day long. So I don't know. You know, I get it. You, you, one side of the coin is confuse the other team. I'm more from the Claire Drake school of, of looking at what I got and making my team the strongest and not worrying so much about the other team. And 
And running out Connor McDavid with two third-line wingers doesn't make any sense to me. And that's a fair perspective to have. It is 12.58 Edmonton Moore with Sportsnet Spec Mark Spector for the horses and horse racing in Alberta, the 7,000 men and women that work in Alberta's horse racing and breeding industry. Still to come, uh, the Oilers now prospect report at 125 today, along with Oilers trivia for Greta Global Street Food. Off to a global news weather traffic update, Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.